Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Supergirl Super Podcast. This is a new offering on The Incomparable on the TV channel. And I'm, I'm Lisa Schmeiser. You have heard me on the Flash Flashcast before. And one of the reasons I'm super excited to be involved with this one, ah, super, um, one of the reasons <laughs> I'm super excited to be involved in this one is it's a podcast where you guys who listen to The Incomparable and participate on our social media are invited to come on and talk with everybody about this show. We will have a rotating lineup of you guys who, you know, have, have let us know you're interested. And I'm really excited about the experiment to, you know, broaden the podcast community and include everybody in it. So this week, my lineup includes four intrepid volunteers. I have Trish Matson. Hey, this is Trish. I have Scott Grizzle. Howdy. I have Ashley Hughes. Hello. And I have Doe Frankel. Hello, everybody. And before I get started, I would like to go around one more time in order. Trish, Scott, Ashley, and Dove. And in one sentence or less, tell me why you love Supergirl or are engaged in Supergirl at the very least and why you wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Trish? Uh, one sentence. Just it's it's fun. Uh, I like the, the people in it. I like the optimism and, and good heartedness of it. So you're, you're here for the feels. Yeah. Basically, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Scott, how about you? I really like all the CW superhero offerings, but it's nice to have one that's not so dark and deep and and messing up people's lives all the time. (laughs) Cough, cough, arrow, cough, cough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ashley, how about you? I, too, am greatly ingrained in the entire CW Berlantiverse, but when it comes to Supergirl... Being a girl and having two young daughters, that show is just such a great example for them that being able to share it with them is the best. Yeah, first, I love that you said Berlantiverse, because I feel like that's a huge topic for discussion. And um, thank you for bringing that up. And Dove, finally, last but not least. All right. Well, yeah, for me, I guess uh, I think they've done a really good job with it. I've been on board from the beginning. And uh I think the most interesting thing to me is uh, the dichotomy between how 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 Kara is on her own and then how she is as Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And I guess she's kind of growing into both and having trouble mm-hmm. more with one than the other. <laughs> so that's, she's, she's a real mess. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, being a big Spider-Man fan, that resonates with me. <laughs> I like my suit. I like my superpowered beings to be a hot mess. <laughs> There's no problems there at all. No, and um, I agreed to do the podcast uh, because we actually Supergirl is the only show that uh, from the Verlantiverse my husband will watch with me. Um, he's intermittently into the Flash, but there's been a lot of eye rolling, and he won't go anywhere near Arrow. And I just find, um, oh God, I'm blanking the actress's name. But, Melissa um, Benoist. Melissa. Yes, she is cuter than a she is cuter than a basket of puppies. And what I really loved about all of season one was how every episode basically passes the Bechdel test, um, which is something I'm sorry to say that Flash fails on a really regular basis. And I thought it was really I thought it was exciting and interesting to see um, a Berlantiverse show that is pretty profoundly female first. Um, in a lot of ways, from the sisters' relationship to the professional relationships to the personal relationships. So I thought it was an interesting addition. Anyway, um, we all love Supergirl. Hooray! Uh, So because this is an inaugural podcast, and we are basically starting it at the beginning of season two, 
we should probably recap or at least talk about some of the highlights of season one, just so everybody who's listening has um, an understanding of where our attention is and what we thought was pretty important from season one. Um, if to get the ball rolling, I can go first and then we can, and then you guys can pop in as necessary. Sound good. Sure. And uh, I thought one of the, uh, yeah, I thought one of the biggest stories from season one um, was Kara's parallel professional developments as it were, because this is a woman who's juggling two jobs, one as Supergirl and one as Cat Grant's assistant. And over the course of the season, we see her push back a little bit more and gain a little bit more confidence in her competence in both in both areas. And I really liked that by the final episode. She's like, all right, ugh, I've made mistakes. I'm dealing with my mistakes. Here's how I'm going to fix everything. So to me, that was one of the biggest, the, 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 the rite of passage type arc was to me the biggest thing that was going on in both episodes. And I thought it wrapped up a little bit too neatly at the end of series one when Kat Grant's like, and here's your office and tell me what you want to do. And people love Supergirl again, but you know, it was a nice way for the season for the season to go out. So I really want to know what happened with that office. Yeah. <laughs> it disappeared. We haven't seen it at all this season. <laughs> right. And she's fussing about not having a chair in the, in the bullpen, uh, the newsroom bullpen. But Well, you see, the office was in uh, CBS's building, and now the CW doesn't have room for her. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's say, actual real journalists tend not to have offices. <laughs> so one of the season two themes so far is the theme of the disappearing office. <laughs> So what else? What else stood out about season one? If you were if you were talking to somebody about the show and you were were pitching it to them, other than it's a woman in a cape instead of a man with a bow and arrow, um, what would you what would you say about about the first season? You know, what what would they what would you ask people to pay attention to? I think the the interpersonal dynamics are one of the really more interesting things. She has a variety of relationships that morph over the course of the first season, whether it's with Jimmy Olsen. Well, I guess they don't call him Jimmy <laughs> in the show, but James Olsen um, mm-hmm. or Wynn. And especially with Kat, that really has a huge arc over the course of the season. I think that's really something to just see a young person working out her place in the world in that way and defining her relationships on her terms. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Superman, people know his story and know that he's someone who with a dual identity, but uh, pretty much alone in both. And here's someone surrounded by family and friends and in both scenarios. That's one of the things that really attracted me to the show. Actually, I watched the premiere and I had so many issues with it that I didn't keep watching it. My primary issue actually was the way that Superman had abandoned Kara with this foster family, friends of friends, and that just seemed to be okay and never got mentioned again. And so I was extremely excited that it actually got mentioned this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started watching again when the Flash crossover happened, and I was just so pleased with how how cuddly everybody was. Uh, they were so nice to each other and having so much fun and it's fun to watch their interactions and the little uh in jokes that you saw um and uh so i caught up a little and then kept watching after that they really are just a basket of puppies aren't they Uh uh-huh right but you know they they do have issues when has his past Mm -hmm. and uh they're not just uh cardboard cutouts they're they're the, the the supporting cast is also very interesting yeah With me, it was really just to have a lighter side of all of these shows because 
arrow very dark, and it seems Flash is getting darker every season. And mm-hmm. just, she's shown like a bright ray of light through the dark mm-hmm. that was this WB universe. Yeah. Now, one of the things I find really interesting, because I, I do watch, um, I God help me, I'm still watching Legends of Tomorrow. Um, but one of the things I found interesting about the Berlantiverse shows is the formula always seems to be the same, which is that you have somebody who is struggling with um, the big existential questions. Who am I? What am I actually good at? What can I bring to the world? What is my purpose here? And they do tend to be surrounded by a pretty wide network of people, both biologically related to them and and who have become surrogate family, either through work or through, or through friendship. And uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about Supergirl is even when there's tension, like um, with, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on Lois's little sister's name. Lucy Lane. Lucy. Yeah. Lois and Lucy. Why would you do that? So sadistic. Um, <laughs> like, but like, even if there was tension between Kara and Lucy, because they both had eyes on, on James Olsen, you know, they were still, there were, there was no cat fighting. There were no like Melrose place, like antics. It was just, you know, look, I know that things are, but they are. James is his own person. I can still respect you and what you bring to an organization. And I like that a lot. Um, I like that the Berlanti ethos of, of building a family and working stuff out seems to be heavily at play here. That's one thing that um, it's a pretty sharp contrast to say Jessica Jones, where she has one person who's her person. And the whole first series is about her gradually getting to, um, okay, fine, maybe more people are not terrible garbage fires. But <laughs> Whereas with this, it's like, hello, everybody gets muffins. <laughs> <laughs> we all have ice cream. We yes, have dinners together, and everybody. you're like, "Oh, this is adorable." So, it's a real it's it's a wish fulfillment show in a lot of ways. I think for a lot of people who are who may have moved to a new city and started a new job, you're, you're watching that and you're like, "I wish I had that." But you know, not just the flying, the, the friends. But um, you know, it's it's comforting. It's fun to watch in a lot of ways. And um, I spent a lot of time through season one snickering about my cousin this and my cousin that because they really couldn't say a whole lot. But they seem to have solved that problem this season, too. Yeah, it's got to be a rights thing. Yeah, yeah. That said, um, although we're going to talk about Superman later, what I wanted to do, um, the mention of the disappearing office has me wondering. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts and your reactions on the big the big developments in episodes one and two of the fir- of, of this new season. For example, Cat Grant and her sudden existential. I'm bored. There's got to be more to it than this. I've done everything I need to do. Um, that's one that I can uh, that that you know w- would be worth discussing. Um, there's James and Kara as abrupt. Eh, we we have no chemistry. Let's let's just pretend all of last season never happened. <laughs> there's car there's Kara's idiotic decision to go into journalism. Um, there's the mystery Kryptonian guy. Talk to me. What are some of the things that stood out for you? What is some, what, what are some of the developments that you did or didn't like? Well, I think a lot of these changes are related to uh, the move to CW, and it looks like they're moving CatCo to more of the background. And it's not going to mm-hmm. make sense if Cat Grant can't be there and James Olsen's taking the place. Well, the CEO can't be dating the reporter. Yeah. And now that Kara is a reporter, she can be out of the field, and we don't have to worry about building the office set for every single episode. Mm-hmm. They can just they can just put her in Vancouver, right? I actually hadn't even thought of it that way. I personally love the way that they wrote Cat Off because it's just something a female, like it feels like something that a CEO in that position that felt that powerful in herself 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I made it. I'm done. I'm going to go enjoy my son and go on 8 million yoga retreats. <laughs> God, I would love that. Or maybe eventually she'll run for political office. She has opinions. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be. The, I, I realize Calista Flockhart probably does not <laughs> want to uh, spend that kind of time, but wouldn't that be great? Can you imagine? Um, oh my Lord. It would be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It would be beautiful. I like that they brought back Miss Teschmacher. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned that. The first time she screamed for Miss Teschmacher, uh, I like, yeah. I like, literally, I did like the flabby hands of excitement in Phil's direction. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out is she, is she the tes- Miss Teschmacher, former assistant to Lex, yeah. Lex Luthor? Or is it just a shout out? You know, I me? think it's a completely different continuity and it's a character that they're bringing back. I don't think it's the same person, so to speak. The reason I, I wondered about it was that they, you know, called back to the first movie with the earthquake thing. Um, and so I wondered if they they were trying to establish some kind of link or, I don't know, maybe they were just driving home the reference. You're right. It could be possible that there's a, a Luther Corps tie-in that we haven't anticipated yet. Um, and although that kind of, ha-ha, it's a dark turn is more likely to happen on either Flash, where, like, everybody has a secret identity, or, well, uh, seriously, like, how many, uh, every season it's, I'm not who you thought I was. Um, Or uh, Arrow, where, you know, again, there's, ha-ha, betrayal, and then John Barrowman dances around. Um, But um, I like what this show does sometimes, which is just they'll drop all sorts of references to the Superman universe, and then take them in a completely different direction, because... um, you remember when John Jones got introduced, he was, uh, everybody thought he was supposed to be a completely different big baddie in the Superman mm-hmm. universe. And then all of a sudden, uh, like whoever was writing the show was like, no, wait, this, this actor is hanging out at the park. This character is great. And we could use the um, ballast of a paternal figure on the show. So boom, you're John Jones. Um, so I don't know, maybe Miss Teschmacher is supposed to be a, 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 a a funny tie-in or a funny shout out to everybody who remembers the Christopher Reeve movie, or maybe it really is, you know, them tipping their hand that, um, Lena Luther, there are too many double L's in the show that Lena Luther is, is not as sincere in her uh, hopes for reformation as we might think she is. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't read that much into it. I just laughed, but yeah, I guess that could be. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to a podcast. We're here to overanalyze everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's what we're here for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does Does anyone else think it's weird that uh, Wynn goes from being the corporate IT guy to being a super hacker extraordinaire for a government agency? I'm so glad you brought that up. That was the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, in season one, my husband and I nicknamed him Boy Iris because it seemed like that was pretty much his job was to pine and, and be helpful and now the child of the toy man is right in the middle of a government organization that deals with aliens. Yeah, I mean, just even technically. I mean, I, I, I'm a software developer. I work in corporate IT. And I don't know, if you have those kinds of skills, you probably aren't installing Outlook for people. <laughs> that, that seems a little bit of a stretch to me. Maybe now that his daddy issues have been dealt with, he feels more confident or about stretching his capabilities and revealing his mad skills. Ah, he was holding back. Cause, yes. Yeah, could yeah. be sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's able to go toe-to-toe with Felicity over on uh, Arrow yet? No way. Nah. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see that this season, though? 
Because I'm, I'm envisioning a crossover where he and Cisco and he and Felicity all nerd out for about five minutes. I hadn't even thought of that, and so mm-hmm. now my brain is exploding. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. So am I, am I the only person on here who doesn't watch the other CW uh, superhero shows? I would think, I'm guessing so, just based on context <laughs> clues. And um, I should add that one of the great things about Supergirl is that you don't necessarily have to. Um, right, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, because again, like I mentioned, um, my husband, who could not care less about Arrow, and um, sort of pieced out a flash in the middle of se- season two, like, he was the one who was driving the bus on us watching Supergirl last season, and he liked it. So I think for him, like not having to keep up with three separate shows continuity, or four if you're including Legends of Tomorrow, I think that was. I think that's an appeal for a lot of people. I'm kind of curious to see if that continues um, now that Supergirl's officially on the CW and they've teased the, the big old um, four, four-way crossover they're going to have. I still think that's going to be an occasional thing. I don't... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I hope they're not going to make it where you have to watch them all because I can't do that. I watch I watch Flash. I mm-hmm. catch the occasional Arrow or Legends, but uh, I, I don't want to have to keep up with all of them simultaneously. That would be yeah. very bad. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to circle around and talk about how this episode, this, se- this season seems to be doubling down on the theme of family. Did anybody else pick up on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I mentioned the Superman abandonment thing, and then uh, we 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 had uh, uh, Supergirl getting her cru- cousin crush on Kal-El and wanting to do everything with him, and even move away to a different city and uh, abandon Alex herself. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was very I, it was believable, but it was mm-hmm. hurtful for her to uh, i i mean alex obviously was hurt and should have been um and she made the you know i i actually yelled and punched the air when uh, <laughs> when she said did you forget that you know we're the ones who raised you and now you're talking about you know he's the only one who understands you you know i mm-hmm. i grew up with you i protected you and so um they're doing a lot of uh family issues uh, I mean, not that they didn't do family issues last season too, but here, you know, they're they're really. I think they're going to keep strengthening the uh, sisterhood bond. Um, mm-hmm. I hope. Uh, mm-hmm. And see, I could tell. I could tell they were trying to do that, but for me personally, I, I couldn't feel that it was genuine. Like it didn't seem like, like Alex was saying the words that she was upset and all this, but I mm-hmm. wasn't feeling it really from her well how do you feel about alex as a character generally speaking i generally love her Mm -hmm. but this season especially with those two episodes pulling the whole i'm going to be jealous and all that it was like she was saying the words but i couldn't feel convinced that the character was feeling that way it didn't quite Mm -hmm. jive for me either especially when she took off after the mole all by herself just because she's angry Uh, that didn't make any sense to me that one really bothered me going showboating off on her own trying to catch the guy by herself maybe she feels she has a need to prove herself but why i mean she's great um it also bothered me uh in the episode with with the shooter where where alex was was fighting with the guy and uh he disarmed her and, and you know had her uh 
you know, took her and, you know, uh, Lena ended up killing him if I, mm-hmm. or shooting him, if I remember correctly. And I really feel like Alex should have been able to take that guy on his, her own. Great. So, uh, more questions. How do we feel about Jimmy Olsen being in charge of CatCo now? That seemed like a stretch. I don't know. <laughs> he just joined how long ago? And I realized that they, he wasn't just a photographer. They promoted him to being what he was like the creative director or something. You don't even get me started on all of the the, the stuff. I don't know how they think websites actually work, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he was creative director and uh, apparently quite the talent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have no indications that he has any kind of chops in finances and running multinational companies. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm a little worried that now that he's not the romantic in- interest, he's going to get basically sidelined and written off the the same way that i mean if they're not focusing on life in the office anymore mm-hmm. um then i'm afraid hell we we just may not see that much of him anymore yeah well i don't know how much of the news you read i'm not going to say specifically in case there is someone who doesn't want to know the details mm-hmm but we have had confirmation that he's not going to get sidelined. Ah, There's okay. a pretty big development coming up. That's one of the most elegant ways to to share information without divulging spoilers I've ever heard. Well done. <laughs> I have been yelled at many a times by very picky people, and I will never make that mistake again. Oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, so... um. Speaking of, so we've gone through some of the significant developments, which is that Alex appears to be wanting to stretch her wings a little bit, and she's working through some really complicated feelings about Kara's family of origin. And, you know, I would think that she would have worked through a lot of those feelings last season when Kara's crazy aunt and her crazy husband came, but there's still more feelings. Um, We've talked about Cat Grant um, piecing out to do yoga on a higher plane than the rest of us. We've talked about Jimmy Olsen's promotion and... The fact that he and Kara finally admitted they have no chemistry whatsoever. We've talked about Wynn's move over to um, being the Felicity Light of um, the DEO. Have we talked about Kara's ridiculous decision to become a reporter yet? No. We mentioned it, but I would very much like to discuss it some more. (laughs) Oh my god, let's do that. Let's go do that. Um, Thoughts? First of all, her reason for doing it, as far as I can see, is just her cousin crush. You know, yep. Clark is a journalist, so suddenly she decides she wants to be a journalist, too. I've never seen her telling stories, uh, or, you know, she she listens to other people's uh, relationship problems and stuff, but she's she, nothing about her says journalist to me, and I thought it was pretty silly that Kat had her secret file saying reporter, too. You know, really, I think what, given what we know about Kara, she should have been sh- channeled into human resources mm-hmm. because she likes people. <laughs> yeah. And she likes interfering with people. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I think that would have been yeah. a perfect match for her. I just can't see journalism at all, except she's able to get to a scene fast even when she was following clark around she just stood there i mean if there was some element where where she showed some journalistic or investigative skills at all maybe it would have made more sense 
it's very clear that the writers of the show wanted her to be a journalist. I, I mean, and obviously the parallels with Clark Kent, I guess that's what they were going for. But yeah, it does not seem earned in any way. And especially when you see in the second season how oh, she's got to fight for it. It didn't feel genuine. Uh, yeah, I. The reason I'm refraining from this discussion is, again, I'm a reporter. <laughs> and... um she honestly does not come off as anybody I've ever run into who wanted to work in a newsroom or did. I mean, my observation has always been that writers got to write, and we never saw anything in season one. Um, as uh, Trish pointed out, Kara uh, is somebody who likes people and likes to meddle. And there are plenty of jobs where she could do that. Like, I don't understand why she's not like, you know what, I'm going to drive an Uber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Or if she's working for Catco, she could always say, I, w- I want to go into um, strategic product management or something where she's in sales because salespeople have to be out and about all the time, too. I mean, if you know anybody who works in sales, you know they're never at their desk. So I was just like, Carl, really? Journalism? And I get that they're like, okay, we can't make her a detective. We we have to have her within the Catco shell because that that's where we go. But this just felt weird. And, and uh, I, I, I don't like that it's so close to Superman myself. Um, but that's me. Um, who knows? Perhaps, perhaps we'll see the episode where she gets a call from an irate reader who really hates what she writes about. And then we'll know that somebody actually did their homework. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what it reminded me of, uh, being a journalist myself is somebody who saw all the president's men or, you know, one, one of the, (laughs) I'm dating myself. (laughs) One one of the newer (laughs) journal spotlight there, somebody who saw spotlight and was all inspired by it. And, just kind of blipped by all the scenes of people actually doing research, looking at rec- records, yeah. uh, checking thing. you know, someone who thought having written stories would be exciting, yeah. but didn't really think through and then tried to go into journalism that way. And, and you get some people like that who are enthusiastic, but, uh, uh, uninformed about the realities. Yeah, it's the romantic notion of it more than the job itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. My problem with her her job choices that she had available is I'm not real clear on what Catco does because <laughs> the sign says Catco <laughs> Worldwide Media, but then uh somebody says, you know, well you work for Catco magazine that just gives fashion tips. So I'm not sure what Catco does and why you would have an investigative journalism department if it is just a fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they that's a really good point, because they've never actually explained if Catco owns several different types and brands across different media. Um, she's got a boatload of TV screens, and we've never found out whether or not there's an actual Catco channel that goes with it. Um, I know that they, they biffed web development badly in, in season one when they had – she was, like, doing photo edits on images that were going to go live on a homepage in a few hours. And I was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> um what this also does, I think, is it points out one of the fundamental issues with um, superhero culture, which is, you know, back when um, th- these guys started permeating pop culture in comics, uh, back in like the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, a lot of it was, oh, this is my secret identity, so I have to have a day job. 
that gets me out and involved and engaged in the community and solving problems like a good civic hero. And then I have this thing that I do with my superpowers. And I just kept thinking, this is a much more complicated world. Why don't we see more superheroes who are like working for Doctors Without Borders, you know, or um, <laughs> no, or like monitoring wildlife for against poaching or things like that. You know, it seems like having these folks who have superpowers where they can fly places and they, they can deal with weather. Um, why are they addressing bigger issues than just zipping around cities? <laughs> Well, even pragmatically within the show, her sister works full-time as a DEO agent. Surely she's qualified for that job, right? Yeah. Why not right. work for the DEO? <laughs> hmm I mean, well, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a whole cast of characters at Catco that they want to keep involved and fine, but I think that would make sense. Well, while we're talking about the DEO, we have, you know, one big character who's had a lot of changes from season one to two, and that's uh, John Jones. And yes. he has powers equivalent to Superman or Supergirl. You know, there's some mm-hmm. differences. But for some reason, he thinks the best way he can help the world is middle management. Yeah. Again, this is dr- this is the more I think about, like, the crazier it makes me. Because um, the world knows there are superpowered beings. Like, we've, we've established this as, like, a foundational fact of the world. Because Superman gets covered. Um, Supergirl gets covered. Like, there was that whole sequence in episode one where, like... <laughs> when the space shuttle-esque thing with the millionaires is plummeting towards Earth, and everyone's like, I hope if Superman is watching, he's on this. And I hope if Supergirl's watching, she's on this. So, like, these are people who are apparently really okay with the notion that superpowered aliens walk among you. And they're also apparently really okay with the notion that you don't know where these superpowered aliens are at any time. Um, They just pop into existence, do stuff, and disappear again. Like, this world is completely okay with that. And part of me is like, well, why aren't they... Why has nobody like sat these folks down and said, you know, you could do a lot of good moving medical equipment back and forth, or perhaps we could have you work on um, hurricane mitigation and evacuation or anything like that. <laughs> like, I can't believe that it, it, it something doesn't hold up for me. You know, it, it kind of makes no sense. So I guess you just don't look at it too carefully because um, it's more fun to watch Cara and her step and her sister have Chinese food. But <laughs> But yeah, this is the season where, like, like you've just pointed out, middle management. Really, you know, you you can you can fly and you can turn into anybody you want to be, and you want to be in middle management. Well, wasn't part of it with him that he didn't want to reveal that he was an alien because he's working for an agency whose job it is to uncover and detain aliens? So he thought it would be a conflict of interest or something. Wasn't that played out over season one? Yeah, and it's been played out at this point. Yeah. Which, and it was kind of a weird ra- reveal and rationale anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you think about it. Um, so maybe the lesson is not to think about it too much. Well, and Wynn even calls him Martian Manhunter a couple of times in this season. Oh, the more we're talking about this, the more I'm just wondering about this world. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's the case for a whole lot of super... Uh, characters i mean it's it's this is not unique to supergirl or or john no (sighs) no speaking of super characters and so on and so forth um so this season we finally got to see the guy who was referred to as my cousin all through season one (laughs) um you know we got superman we got superman in the first two episodes and i wanted to get everybody's opinions on um how this Superman is depicted and the relationship between him and Kara. Cause this is the third Superman we've had like in the past, I want to say decade. I don't remember when Brandon Routh's movie came out, but <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. We've had three different guys playing Superman in, in, in recent, in recent memory. So what about this one? Well, I really liked 
him, uh, the the actor or you know the portrayal. Um, he he seems to be warm and glowy in a slightly more subdued, but still same same the same channel as as Kara is. Um, just a nice guy, and I liked their chemistry together. You know, I complained about her her cousin crush, but he is uh, a a pretty attractive character as uh, I mean appealing that's the word I want appealing mm-hmm. character yeah. I thought I've really loved this portrayal he's that perfect mix of awesome and completely cheesy and I love how they haven't been afraid to just jump headfirst into that cheese on this show and even hearing him say the line I'll have it for you in a jiffy and then having to explain that Jiffy is a measurement of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that's been enjoyable. This one really seemed like a Christopher Reeve Superman, you know, that gets the Clark Kent character, you know, more awkward, more klutzy, more, you know, Kara calls him more of a nerd. Mm-hmm. I think two things that I noticed that were just kind of interesting choices were, first of all, Cat has a crush on him. That seems a little strange. <laughs> Where did that come from? Yes. And it was a design choice, but did you notice that they have his his cape? Like Overall, his costume is very similar to Kara's, but his cape attaches and goes over the shoulder, whereas hers, as is more traditionally depicted, goes kind of inside the neckline. That was an interesting yeah. choice. I wonder why they did that. It makes him look visually broader. Uh, yeah, sure. It it adds visual bulk to his shoulders, so you don't have to get somebody who like went on an insane chicken and broccoli and three hours of lifting a day diet. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a good point. With the caveat that I think Brandon Routh has been a nice addition to the CW verse. Um, I really like him as Ray Palmer. Um, I've en- I, I've really yes. enjoyed him, and he's he, like I liked when I, when I first saw. Him, to rewind, when I first saw Monchuk, I was like, this guy has charisma for days. What the heck? Because I remember seeing a Superman movie and just being like, mostly asleep through it. And um, so with the caveat that I like Brandon Routh, and I think that TV is a great medium for him, and Ray Palmer is a great character. It, and Henry Cavill looks like Superman um, and carries himself that way. And I don't think that the vehicle quite matched up. Um, I was really excited after I watched episode one because they finally managed, I, I felt like this show has managed to do what a couple movies have failed to do in that they matched the Superman portrayal to the tone. Like, you know, uh, yeah, it's yes. just, and he's just so gosh darn happy to be himself. Like, this is not a guy who's, you know, going to sit around and, and, and wither, you know, wither Krypton, wither me. Um, you know, he loves being a journalist. He owns his nerdery and uh, he really does... Uh, He's even slightly nerdy as Superman, which which I find nice. But I also really enjoy his beef with Hank. And I like that his beef with Hank is on purely ideological terms, where he's like, you know, Krypton kills, Kryptonite kills me, and I don't see why you need to have it around. And I find it incredibly insulting. And I like that neither man, man backs down from that either. Um, so I love that. That said, so um, we did a Justice League rewatch over on the Flash Flashcast this summer, and I got sucked into the show. And what was really interesting... Um, what I love about the Supergirl Superman relationship here is it's the first time I can recall where we have been reminded that Kara still sees her, that Kara was actually the older cousin and that she still sees herself that way, even though he's older than she is now chronologically. Like I love that they flip that around. So instead of her being like the pesky little cousin who who admires and looks up to, to Clark slash Superman, she's kinda like, I how did this happen? I can't believe this is how it worked out. I changed your diapers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, I love that she mentioned that. It was really interesting. Um, so it, uh, I was really excited to see that part, too. Um, any more thoughts on Superman from you guys? Well, I just want to say that I loved the moment where uh, Kat insinuated a menage a trois between Clark and Superman yeah. and Lois. That was just fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's modern. <laughs> oh, best of all worlds. <laughs> One other comment I have on Superman is I think they're they're walking a fine line between making Superman a well-rounded and good character, but also not letting him dominate. And it's very clear that he is taking a backseat in his role in National City compared to what he does in Metropolis. I think that was really interesting in his own doing. He consciously, I think, wants Kara to be their superhero. He doesn't want them to feel like he would take over, like he's always going to be there. No, but it was good that all disasters and crime for Metropolis took a week off so we could have a vacation. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> well, that that really did bother me in, in episode mm-hmm. two where uh, the, the stuff was going on and they said, uh, you know, there was this incident. Oh, this is a trap. We actually need to be in Metropolis. And so they both left and went to Metropolis, leaving National City completely undefended, even though they knew there were bad people doing bad things there. Yeah, that was a little problematic. It's like, there are two of you, Mm -hmm. you can split up. Yeah, Uh, strategery, come on. (laughs) If we're picking apart that episode, too, was it weird that they had this these things that Wynn rigged up for them to help absorb the kryptonite? And it seemed like the Metallos would only blast the places where they were shielded it's it looked like if they blasted anywhere else it would still hurt them but they Mm -hmm. only hit the s symbols that were covered oh Oh, no it was driving me nuts too (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to imagine that that chest plate had some kind of attractor to it that kind of sucked the beam and yeah i I just tried not to overthink how a computer tech came up with (laughs) anti-kryptonite technology well, yeah, he clearly didn't do such a good job if you can just unplug it and it stops working, so. <laughs> Have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in again? <laughs> yeah, that is what the tool said, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, um, a few turns of this conversation back, we had a really great segue into Cat Grant. Um, now, unfortunately, we're stuck with Wynn. <laughs> But, um, no, I think um, the Win Rehab Program is uh, kind of an interesting one this season, because you have to admit that last season, his job was to pine after Kara and look less manly than James Olsen and have a really problematic dad. And this season, it seems like he's dropping wisdom, all family, other people who are there for you no matter what. And here's this fantastic technology I made. And at last, um, you know, at last, I'm no longer installing Outlook on people's devices. <laughs> Um, so how, how, how's everybody feeling about this with the wind rehab program? Um, hooray. Yes. No, maybe, um, thoughts, opinions. I think he deserves a happy life Mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. And it seems kind of like a thin excuse to keep him around, but at the same time, I'm just happy they are keeping him around and not just (laughs) leaving him in a trash can to the side somewhere there at CatCo. Yes. Well, Nick at CatCo, you know, was real fuzzy on what he did as a day job, but then they set up the new Supergirl headquarters there in Catco offices, and he was spending all his time helping Kara and directing, you know, hacking things and directing things from there. So it makes sense just to combine that into the 
DEO office instead of having two different support offices for Supergirl's side job. Yeah. Yeah, that is insane. The fact that Supergirl effectively employs an army at this point for, for what is not even her day job. <laughs> <laughs> no, think about that for a minute. Just just let that wash around your mind. <laughs> well, they have to keep things safe eight to five while she's reporting. Oh, man. And now we flip back around to Supergirl and her day job again. <laughs> so, so what I'm learning from this podcast is I really can't question any of the foundational premises of this series too closely, because if I do, I'm just like, no! <laughs> it all falls apart. Do not become a journalist, Kara. Just be Supergirl free full time. It's not hard. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I hadn't thought about it until I started talking to you. <laughs> Oh, what have you done to me? Um, so we've we've once again established all of the weirdness in this universe, um, and yet we all still really love the show, or at least really like watching it at this point, which is which is great. Um, so I will admit I was really nervous about the move from CBS to CW for a couple of reasons, because there are some elements of the show that I really liked that I uh, was hoping they wouldn't monkey with too much. But I wanted to get everybody's thoughts on some of the biggest changes they've perceived in the move from CBS to the CW uh, aesthetically or how characters are being portrayed or um, how characters interact with each other. What have you noticed so far? I think the only thing that I, that called attention to it to me was, Oh, there's Superman. I I think beyond Mm -hmm. that, it feels pretty much the same to me. They're they're changing things up, but there's nothing that I would say. Of course, as the one person on the show who doesn't watch the other CW shows, nothing that jumped out at me as being, oh, there's a new boss in town, they're changing things up. It seemed like it was the way that the show was already going anyways. Well, I was kind of happy that the DEO seems to have, you know, a it's more the focal point now, but it also has a better mm-hmm. location, not out in a shed in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> location yes well now that the show is being um filmed in one of the rainiest parts of the west coast <laughs> so did you guys notice any sort of shift in how the characters um are portrayed or how they're interacting with each other um for example the tension that's come up between Kara and alex do you think that's something that's plausible and believable based on season one or do you think it feels a little like I'm just I'm really curious to see if anybody else has noticed any any shift in how characters are are portrayed. I personally haven't really noticed it with how close those two characters were last year. Mm-hmm. That's what made it really hard to believe that Alex was somehow jealous of Clark in these two episodes. I just I couldn't really connect with that at all because I'm like Based on last season, this would never actually be a problem. Alex would be the person to understand and not get the whole childish jealousy thing going. Hmm. Well, with me, I didn't think it was so much jealousy as being hurt as abandonment. And for me, it felt totally believable. So there you go. People are different. My problem with Alex Danvers is I just have trouble understanding a a lot about her character. She's a scientist slash ninja who sort of has a personal <laughs> life I, I i i feel like they're not exactly sure what direction they want to go with her so they're just not doing it right now yeah the only change in tone that this season that really uh made itself known to me was the just the whole i'm not crushing on james james olsen anymore i mean kira isn't uh just i mean 
for story reasons, I understand it, but there, there really didn't seem to be anything other than, oh, now that I've got the possibility, I just don't feel that way anymore. And that felt, felt like they mm -hmm. missed a step. All right. So, um, to, uh, to wrap this up, what were you the most excited to see in the first two episodes? Like what made you glad that you still watched the show? I, I kind of like the idea that they're bringing in project Cadmus, uh, so they can, mm -hmm. they can hopefully tie up the Jeremiah storyline because I was excited that Dean Kane was on the show and then mm -hmm. he's basically been kidnapped in some, you know, mysterious place and we haven't seen him for most of season one. Uh, I, I like the idea of having the kind of the overarching larger villain, even if all they do is hang out in warehouses all day. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like the concept at least better than I liked Maxwell Lord last season. Oh, God, Maxwell Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Maxwell Lord. <laughs> I uh, would like visibly wince when he came on. It got to the point where Phil would just start pointing and cackling every time he did because he would just watch me flinch. <laughs> so anybody else? What else got people excited about watching the show again to the point where you want to talk about it? Uh, with me, one of the things that they've added this year that I am loving so far is Lena Luthor. Um, I don't have a whole lot of background with the comics, so her character is new for me mm -hmm. uh, because she's not one of those mainliners. So I'm really excited that I'm kind of as lost as everyone else for once. Yeah. And the actress that's playing her, I just love. And I think it's just the perfect casting. And I couldn't be happier with that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is uh, Lena Luthor or something. I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes. Yeah. Yes, me too. Me, me four. Yeah. I had not... Um, and again, I'm much more Marvel than DC when I read the comics. I hadn't even been aware of Lena Luthor's existence until I started reading DC Superhero Girls graphic novels with my daughter. And um, in the first one, Lex Luthor, and this is not a huge spoiler, Lex Luthor's the villain because he's angry that his sister isn't at the school and able to hang out with the superhero girls. And that was when I was like, Lex Luthor has a sister? And, you know, boom, down the Wikipedia wormhole. So <laughs> I love, well, and, and I love this because either Lena is somebody who genuinely wants to reform and so she's going to have a really fraught relationship with her, with her brother, the crazy evil genius, or she's on the continuum. And um, I can't wait to see where that goes. Um, well, I'd like to see her be a complex person who has good and bad and is not all one exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Whose motives are good in, in many circumstances or whose motives are understandably human. But whatever she wants to do, her brother wants to kill her for whatever reason. Well, that's that indicates something about their relationship then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I wanted to thank you. Our goals with these podcasts are generally to try to keep them um, shorter than the episodes that somebody would have just watched. And we are well on our way to making that goal. I had a great time talking this over with you. Once again, um, I'm Lisa Schmeiser, who you'll know from some other incomparable podcasts. And I was talking about Supergirl episode one and two with Trish Matson. It's been fun. Great. Scott Grizzle. Thank you for having me. Ashley Hughes. Thanks for having me. And Dove Frankel. And again, I want to thank everybody who volunteered and to reassure you that we are, of course, going to be continuing uh, doing our flashcasts with two or three episodes per podcast. And if you want to find out how to get involved, uh, ask to join the Incomparables community on Facebook and we can take it from there. Thanks a lot, guys. Good times. Good times. Thank, thank you. Yay, everybody. All right. 
Yay! Yay.